My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 97, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, John 13 through 15 and Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said, Not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. 
Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives." 
Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved you, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friend. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hates me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the work no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hate me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, whom goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Proverbs 6, verse 6-11 Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways, and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So, for many, the Gospel of John is their favorite book of the Bible. 
it also might be the best book to suggest as a first book from whoever, for someone that's new to the story of Jesus and what the story, the Bible, is all about. If you've been listening since the beginning, you know how hard parts of the Old Testament can be, and that's just thus far. So the Gospel of John, I think, is a great place to start someone new. Today, we read some important speeches and prayers by Jesus. C.S. Lewis writes that Jesus mainly produced one of three reactions in people, hatred, fear, or adoration. The 19th century Scottish Christian preacher or rabbi John Duncan formulated and later C.S. Lewis popularized the Jesus as Christ trilemma, where everyone decides whether Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. It's just that confrontational, if you will, a decision has to be made. You ultimately have to decide just as the people did there. Do you think Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is in fact the son of God? And today we read about the spirit and how Jesus is a man who is going away and as a man can only be in one place at a time, but the spirit, the advocate, is his divine presence and can be in all places at all times. So now we see the one God and Father, Son, and Spirit that consists of a loving relationship, which draws us in. And as Dr. Mackey says, it is Jesus' disciples who abide in God's love, where he is the vine, and they, or we, are the branches. We see this as just the beginning. We are going into the world empowered by the Spirit. So in the beginning, in Genesis, we're given a portion of his power and authority and we saw how poorly we managed that mostly throughout the whole whole story. But here, there's this new gifting. There's what Jesus is going to do to atone for us. And he's modeled this example, this new way of being human. But he's also empowering us with the spirit, the advocate, to carry out restorative and redemptive missional service. You know, because we're from him, in him, and doing all of this work through him. Which is, what is this work? It's prodigal service. It's putting God on display, helping others navigate to atonement through Jesus by bearing witness to the story, the truth of Jesus, what he did because he loves us, and how he makes a new way for us to be human. Yet, right after these instructions, Jesus forewarns that there will be opposition, like he experienced opposition, but not to be afraid because he's gained victory over the world. As Dr. Mackey says, what this victory means or how it works is not stated here, but this does lead into the next part of the story where John describes Jesus's death and resurrection, which Dr. Mackey describes it as the victory being shown to us in Jesus's way. The end of John, which is what we're headed for, is in fact a third of the chapters, so chapter 12 to 19, that deal with Jesus's death burial, and resurrection. And the emphasis is our response to Jesus, which seems to be captured in one word, believe. John reveals that Jesus is the only way to salvation, and what becomes important is our response to this. Is it belief and faithfulness or disbelief and unfaithfulness? This belief is connected to obedience, like we've been reading in the Old Testament. Remember, listen, and obey with your whole heart and soul. Say yes with your will and not just your heart. One way to strengthen your will is by softening your heart, and this happens through coming close to the details as we read, remembering the story of what God's been doing, and responding. Jewish rabbi Ben Bagbag, who may have lived within the time of the Gospels, explains the approach to the Bible. The story is to not only read it again and again, 
but pour over it again and again. For everything is contained in it, looking into it, grow old and gray over it, and do not depart from it, for there is no better pursuit than this. Or that's how Christine McClellan interprets it. Something else that Christy McClellan says, which I think is worth noting as we talk about the importance of the story, the one connected unified story of the Bible, to our hearts and our practice is to ask a this or that question regarding which title we would buy in a bookstore. Would we buy the book title The Lost Sheep or The Good Shepherd? Would we buy the book title A Lost Coin or A Good Woman? Would we buy the book titled A Lost Son or A Running Father? Here's the thing. I think our culture, perhaps our humanity, or at least mine, seems to be drawn to the tension of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Perhaps it's because I see myself or I feel the tension in that. But the problem that I think happens is that when we read the Bible for answers to save ourselves or avoid being lost on our own, and we make the Bible about us when the Bible, the story, is about the living God and his endless grace and saving acts to gifting and restoration, redemption, as we're just a part of the story, but God is the main and the good actor. He's the good father in the story. And we are frequently the bad actors, or at least the lost actors, who need a protagonist like God and his son, Jesus, and the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And I think just making sure as we're reading it and we're thinking about it, we keep this anchor and we try to avoid that kind of drift, which is like, this is our story. It's his story and we're a part of it. And when we dislocate them or separate them, I think that's when some pretty dangerous things can happen. I don't know if you agree with that, but it's something I've been really trying to work on in my own self-thought and talk. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.